Hello, and welcome to Artistas in the Capital. My name is Norma Sorto, and I'm your host for Ola Cotura's brand new monthly podcast, featuring interviews with Latinx artists in the Washington area. La telenovela is a concept that is both unique to Latin America and has inspired programs all over the world. Popular TV shows like Ugly Betty and Jane Diversion, both inspired by popular telenovelas, have had high TV ratings in the United States. As Latin Americans have migrated all over the world, telenovelas have been a way for them to connect to their roots and teach future generations about the history and everyday life in Latin America. Defined as a serial drama with a continuing melodramatic storyline and permanent cast, La Telenovela evolved from radio segments to primetime TV shows that attract a wide audience. As the consumption of digital media has grown, the reach of the telenovela has grown too. Our guest for this episode is Hannah Musuman, a German Latina researching the social impact telenovelas have had throughout their history. She works at the Guma Lab, a cooperative research group based in Berlin. A PhD candidate, Hannah is most interested in the connection between memory and telenovelas, and whether telenovelas can shape the memory of those who watch changing the narrative and history from its truth. While Johanna is based in Germany, we interviewed her when she visited D.C. on a research trip to learn more about U.S. Latino views of telenovelas. Here's Hannah's interview, conducted by Spell participant Connie Moore and Spell's Arts and Humanities team back in February of 2022. So the project is called Gumela. It comes from the acronym of the German word, but in English it would be History Transfer Through Entertainment Media in Latin America, Laboratory for Memory and Digital Media Research. And we are funded by the German state, and they wanted to have more projects that deal with area studies, because in academics, many times people say, no, you need to study sociology or politica. And so that's why this project came up, and we try to do something more about it and show that Latin America is important. And we do it with telenovelas and series. And we are analyzing how history is transmitted and also how the people receive the history. And if it would be like a method to show the importance, because everybody's watching television, everybody's watching Netflix series, but not everybody's like analyzing it in a good way, we feel. So that's why this project came up. So the question was like, what influence do they have on their memory images? Memory images, I refer to like my personal connections that I remember when I see something so that maybe I have lived the time or maybe my parents told me something about that. Then the historical consciousness, it's like, for example, I trust what I see and it's completely the history that I learned in my school book and Netflix shows me the same. And political attitude is like already a bit more complicated. It's like, okay, I see a series and suddenly I change completely my mind. I think nobody would say it <laughs> in this way, but we try to figure it out. And yeah, in the case studies we analyze is Chile and Colombia and the Latin American diaspora. This project is so important because there's a lot of studies going on about films, about movies, about cinemas, but not so much about television because many times the people... Like say, no, telenovela is not so good. It's like for the poor people or I don't know, for just for women. But at the end, like they reach the people, no? A lot of Latin American households watch telenovelas each day or each night or one time a week. So it's a really common cultural phenomenon. 
So in these telenovelas that we analyze, we call them telenovelas de la memoria, and it's about the recent past. So the important thing is that most of the people can remember. It could be because they lived in the time or they knew about from their parents, from their grandparents. So it's not about the historical telenovela, like for example, when there would be one about the independence of some countries, that would not be a telenovela de la memoria. So it should have been during the lifetime of most of the viewers. So I would say like three, four generations right now. And they show memories where many people can connect in some way. And also like they use a lot of real names or at least names that you can identify really easily. And images from historical archives or real places. So at the end, what we can see is like we work a lot with memory studies. But at the end, it's like, okay, everybody can remember something. Like it depends on where we grew up, it depends on our context, on what we experience also. And Steve Stern, who is a scientist from Chile, he says like, okay, there's a loose individual memory and everybody has a lot of them, but not everybody remembers the same things. For example, I think in our case, it would be something that we always will remember. It could be 9-11 or it could be like the beginning of COVID. Everybody remembers the day what they did. And then when the television picks up this narrative, I can see how I can fit in my own memories. And if I can identify or I feel like, okay, no, it wasn't like that. So something is happening in my brain at the same time and on an emotional level as well. And so that's why this telenovelas de la memoria, they are like an interactive bridge to link and locate the memory within the bigger historical narrative. We see a lot that it happens and has an influence on the understanding of the history of the thinking and also maybe on the political attitude in the future. And the stories, like, they really are part of a collective memory. And also the interesting thing is that suddenly, because I think it's about fiction and emotions and also, like, the music, and if you can identify with an actor or with a person, suddenly, like, you talk about things that you wouldn't talk before, for example. In the Chilean case... Many families watched it, but the older generations, they are not used to talk about experiences of the time because they grew up with a lot of fear or with bad experiences. And suddenly everybody's watching the telenovela and then the grandfather talks with the son and it's like, there's a lot going on. And then also like the television or the series of telenovelas, they could be like a spokesperson, like you really have to analyze it and like give them importance at the end. And yeah, we work with many interdisciplinary approaches. It's like a lot of history, it's political science, it's peace and conflict studies, memory studies, as I said, cultural studies, literary studies, communication studies, and digital humanities, because how do we analyze like the reception? How can we see what people think while they're watching television? It's quite complicated. So that's why we decided to work with digital methods. Like we analyze comments in social media, so it's mostly... Twitter and YouTube for now. And therefore, you work with a team in Colombia. They study physics and they are analyzing all the social media that they built us a lot of algorithms and stuff. But that's how we get to the comments. And the other part is interviews in Chile and Colombia. And what I'm doing right now is interviews within the Latinx community in the US to see if the reception changes when the people are not in their countries anymore or if they grew up here. So it's like, you see, there's a lot of discussion going on because well, social media is getting more important every day. I thought the first question I could ask was if you could give us a brief history of the telenovela or kind of the telenovela's origins. 
Yeah, it's really interesting because, for example, in Europe, the telenovela isn't that much of a thing, especially in Germany. Like we watch a lot of like thrillers and stuff, but telenovela for me is like really a Latin American cultural phenomenon. And it came up because before there was television, there was radio. And so there was a program that was called Radio Novela. And they used it like for all the men who were working in, I think it was cigar fabrics or something, that the people like go back to work because there was a lot of protests. And so somebody came up with the idea, what happens if we just tell them a story, but put it like in different episodes. And then they are so used to it that they really want to go back to work because there's the radio. It sounds weird, but I would say it would be like the beginning of the telenovela because then it came to television. Then there wasn't television everywhere. So they like, I don't know, you went to your coffee or your restaurant with all your family and just sit there every day or one time a week. Because also the telenovela, is, it's different from each country where you look at. For example, in Colombia, there's one episode each day. And in Chile, it would be one time per week. So it's like a completely different structure at the end. But I would say like it's completely Latin American <laughs> cultural phenomenon. And for example, in Brazil, it's also the same. Like everybody talks about that the next day. In Brazil, you can see who was born when kind of because they use the name of the main protagonist of the telenovela and then it's the name for all the babies that are born in this year. So it's a lot going on then. Awesome. That's super helpful and kind of leads into the next question I had, which you've definitely gestured to. But do you know how wide the viewership is of these telenovelas? Like how many people it's reaching in these different countries every day or even in America, too, if there's a big difference there? Before we had like a lot of Internet and streaming platforms, I think it was easier to mediate it. And I think now there's a lot of people who watch it, but they don't watch it at the same time because like now you go on a streaming platform and you watch it whenever you want. And I think that it depends a bit on the telenovela, but like a good telenovela would always come in the night between 8 or 10 p.m. when there was like a lot of laughs or like things that small children should not see. Then it was at 10 p.m. So it's like a completely different audience. It depends on when you look at it. And for example, in English, I use the term telenovela because I don't really like the term soap opera because for me it's two different things because the telenovela it's always 120-ish episodes. So it normally would be when there's one a day, it would be like three months. But the soap opera can last, I don't know, 10 years. <laughs> it's like, it never has an ending. So the concept of a telenovela is like, okay, we have a problem at the beginning. That's why all the characters like get into action. Then there's a lot of things happening. Somebody falls in love Then a lot of things. But at the end, like we solve the problem and then that's it. And the series, for example, works different. The series is like, okay, there's something happening. Then there's a lot of tension. And suddenly like the first 10 episodes, like they are over. And then you have to wait half a year or one year. And then there's a second round. So yeah, I think it depends at what time and which platform you look at it. And then you can see like more who watches it. But also in Latin America, many people think... And I'm getting, like, in the interviews, I see that people say, okay, no, telenovela, it's, like, just for girls, or it's a women-ish <laughs> medium. I think the people, especially men, I feel, they just don't want to admit that they really like telenovelas. <laughs> so they say, no, when I was smaller, I watched it with my mom, but now I'm just looking, I don't know, action thriller or something. I think it depends on what you look at it, at what time. 
What we remember shapes our reality. As you've said, we, we know that to be true. So what ways have you seen these telenovelas shape viewers' reality? Maybe in the different countries, maybe with specific shows, but I was really curious to see what effects you guys had found out about. It sounds so big. But I also, when we wrote the text, I wasn't quite sure if it's really the term, but at the end, it's like, yeah, how do we see the present? Because if we analyze the present, it also tells us something about our past. I feel like everything is connected. And that's why I think, for example, in Chile, the people said, okay, we need to watch this telenovela again because we have problems here, we have social protests. So I think there's something in the past that we didn't talk enough about. So I think that it shapes the reality in this way that like everything is connected that you have to be aware of your past like as a country or as a region i feel like they have so much power now i see a lot about netflix because netflix like gets everywhere and just because netflix decided okay i will do a series about something historical everybody knows it even if they didn't watch it they saw it the algorithm like recommended it so they have an opinion anyhow And it shapes the reality in this way. Many times, like the narratives that they take, they're not always the right ones. But anyhow, like it shapes our way, how we see our world a bit. And for example, with Narcos, you see it a lot because like when you talk about Narcos with people from Colombia, they are really angry Mm -hmm. because they feel like it didn't tell the history of the Colombian past. The sensibility is missing. The actor isn't Colombian. Wagner Moore, who's Brazilian, we don't understand why Netflix takes up this history. But when you talk with people who are not from Colombia, they're like, wow, finally, I understood something. And I knew that he was a family man. I know a lot of things. And also, Narcos, it's interesting because the first episode starts actually in Chile because they explain how cocaine came to Colombia because the dictatorship of Pinochet, they were like, against narco traffic country and somebody from chile flew out of then and then went to colombia and then he met pablo escobar it's like a, i feel like it's a bit weird history and i still didn't get where they get it from still didn't find like the source but there are a lot of people who think that and they say colombia had this problem with drugs because they didn't have a pinochet and it's like quite harsh because not everybody is reflecting about the things that they see and just because it's on television everybody talks about it it must be true but i think like the discussion is not about just television it's also it would be about social media right now like what are the things that we talk about and how do we get the information and do we really like prove it do we sit down and feel like okay i want to know more about it and if i want to know more about it where do i look like it's all about the discussion of like critical media consumption i would say And I think like the television and Netflix is just like one actor more, but on a bigger scale. Do you think it's more dangerous for Latinx people outside or even non-Latinx people outside of Colombia or outside of these other countries consuming this type of media? Do you think that they are more susceptible to having these like false memories or false perception of the past from that? I think it depends on the person and about the context. For example, like I met a lot of like young Mexicans, they were like 19 years old and they grew up in New York and they told me like, yeah, I like Narcos, Mexico, because it's a lot of action, it's a lot of thriller. Then I was like, oh, but did you know something about Mexican history before? They're like, no, but is it what you like and stuff? And he's like, no, but my dad, for example, he didn't like that I watched it because he feels like. I'm getting like wrong values because a lot of like narco novelas, like they show 
on a bad way like okay if you deal with drugs it's easy like you get a lot of money you get a lot of girls you get a good car they just show you the good profit so many times like parents they don't really like this kind of telenovelas because they are scared about the values they show but also like the children many times they don't really know how it is because they haven't been there or they grew up in the US for example like they feel like a US citizen and then suddenly something comes up in Netflix and shows them okay that was my country or the country of my parents or where they flew from or where they came from so i think it also moves a lot about identity stuff inside a person i imagine I'm not sure if it's like really dangerous for them. I think it could also like be a chance because it helps maybe to understand better like different cultures and different historical approaches. It's really important like to put it in a context and like just to talk about who did it, why, why did they do it? And also like talk about with people who lived in the time maybe and then just trust them as well and not like they take everything for granted just because it's fiction. And just because it's Netflix, I think that's like the dangerous part, but it's not only just for Latinx people. I think it should be for everyone. So there's obviously a lot of different issues with like the narratives being portrayed and also positive things as well. But do you think that this study could be used to potentially influence commercial entertainment policy or come up with some new guidelines that could help people creating these shows try to format narratives in a more holistic way? Do you think that there's anything that should be done in that avenue? That's also like one of the reasons why we started the project because we really feel like it's important and at the end of the day we really tried with this investigation like to get to a point where we can show results and then for the future like just to make sure that if you want to tell the history because for example I know people don't read books anymore I hope that's not going to happen but everybody watches Netflix it's fine but you have to really be careful do the people like identify what perspective are you taking And so at the end, you really need to get in touch also with the producers. And we really would like to do like a kind of manual or something just to show like, okay, when you talk about history from a historical perspective, because we're historians at the end, you need to be careful when you talk about that. You have to also have like a team in the production who's just investigating. You would need a historian, for example, that not everybody has. Many times it also happens like you have like good content, like you have a lot of historical facts, like you have a lot of archive, but at the end, because of the fiction and the director, for example, they just change it to the complete opposite. It's possible and it happened a lot. We need to get to a point where we just talk about that. A lot of your research is also thinking about its effect on politics or politics in general too. So I was wondering what effects do you think these telenovelas have on people's political leanings or political views or conception of like a political past portrayed through the telenovelas? I think it goes along with the collective memory. Mm -hmm. I think it's like really close also to politics. Like what do we talk about? How do we talk about it? And for example, in the German case, it's really interesting because the Kolonia that I told you about, like... Many Germans didn't know it until there was a movie with Emma Watson. It's called Colonia, I think. And there's Emma Watson, the star protagonist. And she falls in love with a German actor who's Daniel Brühl. And then he got into the Colonia. She tries to get him out. It's a lot of like love story and stuff. But anyhow, like they took the topic of the Colonia and suddenly everybody talks about it. And even in the German parliament, they started a discussion. And that's why 
now Germany does a lot about the colonial. But the topic is like going on. And then now there's this Netflix series. Now there are other movies about that. But that audiovisual affects the politics, but not everything. Like I think it could be in the good way, but also in the bad way. You were talking about how a lot of people that watch these shows at least the stereotypes that it's for women. And also when I was reading on your website, it said that a lot of telenovelas start with a woman in distress a lot of the time. So I think I had a question just around how are women generally portrayed in these telenovelas? And also like what effect could that have on this like mass amount of women that are watching these telenovelas and the perception of their history? Yeah, that's really interesting question. I'm doing my PhD in the project and that's something that I want to analyze. I want to see like if there's a difference in the reception between men and women. And I think when a classical telenovela would be like a fairy tale kind of, like there's a girl, maybe she's poor, then she falls in love with a rich boy who's handsome and then suddenly everything is great. And normally like the mother of the boy would be like the bad person and she tries to do a lot of discussions and stuff like the typical fairy tale. And like in the newer telenovelas, it changed a lot. Like there's one Colombian telenovela that's called Betty La Fea. And it was like all over the places. They put even a version in Germany, like in completely different cultural context. But there, for example, the girl, she wasn't beautiful because she was La Fea. But still like everything went well. And she was like a really nice person and the people loved her, even if she wasn't like the prototype of how a Colombian woman should look like and I think that was like a really interesting one to see okay we can change this beautiful looking girl it's like more about your inner values it's about what can you do in life what can you reach for so that was a really interesting switch and also like with the we call it medical novelas like telenovelas are series that are about drug trafficking there's a lot of like you identify with the bad one or the bad one might not be that bad. He's not always bad because he has a dog, for example, and you love the relation between him and his dog. <laughs> so I think it changes a lot. And I feel like it's also a possibility to show also women like, okay, there's more than beautiness. Like mm-hmm. it's not just, okay, you get out on the street and you suddenly find your Prince Charming. It's like a lot more than that. And I think that's a really nice kind of empowerment. And that's what I really like. I like the changes that we are seeing right now in television. One of the words that I saw coming up was peace building processes. So I was wondering how the results of the study could be used to make these peace building processes that you mentioned on your website. I think peace building process, it depends on the country a lot. There were a lot of telenovelas in television series that like tried to show okay, we need to talk about our past. You can't just say, okay, you are guerrillero and you are paramilitar, so I will not talk to you. So like, you have to try to find a way that these different actors like get in dialogue. And if it's maybe because they saw something on television and they feel identified by the same person, even if they are completely opposite from the political attitude, I think that that's the kind of peace building measure that I would think of. But yeah, it depends completely on the context. I think the problem in the academic, I feel that the television, sometimes they don't really take it serious. Even now with our research project, when we go somewhere and we say, okay, we work about television, like you get like weird looks sometimes (laughs) because the people say, no, but it's not important. They have to study 
books, you have to study movies, you have to study cinema. And we are like, no, but you have to talk about the daily things that the people see. Like you have to analyze critically like platforms as Netflix. So it's not like the peace building process is so easy. It's not like, okay, everybody watches telenovela and then we have peace everywhere. That's not going to happen. Because of how a telenovela in a series is constructed and about, for example, that there's always a love story. I think it's for a reason. It's like, okay, you need to identify, you need to feel with the person. And then I thinking process is starting, even though like you might not be with the same political attitude as the figure. Are there any telenovelas right now that you feel like are doing that better? Are there some telenovelas that you say like, oh, this is a really good representation of this narrative? Or do you think that there could be improvement kind of across the board? I just watched one and I was so happy that I could finally watch it because in Germany you can't watch it. (laughs) And in this United States you can see it. It's um, Distrito Salvaje. I think it's Wild District in English. And it's in Netflix and it's a Colombian series. And I really liked it because it's about an ex guerrillero who like gets back into society and like tries to fit in. He tries to get a job because he was like a soldier when he was a child. So the only thing he can do is like with weapons and he's like completely lost. And it's like about his personal life, but it's also about corruption. It's about how are we going on with the peace process? Like it takes a lot of things about classism. So it takes a lot of things that are happening right now in society and not just in Colombia. It's like, I think you can see it and you still feel identified on one way, even if you don't know anything about the history of Colombia. And actually, I think it's really fictional because this kind of person, it didn't exist, but like many different kind of persons have like attitudes from him. So I feel like that one I really liked because it took it like on a bigger scale also Patron del Mal I really liked it because you can see that the producers like tried to give something of Colombian history because they were affected from their families from their friends so they have a lot of sensibility how to use the topic but I think also the problem of Pablo Escobar Patron del Mal is that it's really easy to identify with Pablo Escobar especially at the beginning because he's so nice he's so funny He has a mom who's really hilarious. So at the end, like they put a lot about his history and his family and not so much about the victims or the people that were affected. So there I feel like it was a good start, but not always it went like the way it should have been if you want to do memory. But still, like it takes so many facts of the Colombian history that it's really, really good. Thank you, Hannah, for your interview with Olo Cultura. Join us next month, where we speak with author, editor, and founder of Arte Publico Press, Nicolás Canelos. For updates on episodes and Latinx events in the D.C. area, follow us on Instagram at DC. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Artistas in the Capital. To get involved in Latinx arts, culture, and humanities in D.C., Sign up to join our SVO program and visit olocotura.com.